Welcome to Marathon Swim Stories, where we interview marathon swimmers from all walks of life to get perspective on how to endure, adapt, and overcome the challenges we face swimming and in life. In this episode, I speak with Michelle Macy, who kicked off her open water career with a post-it note challenge to herself to swim the English Channel, which she completed in 2007 as the fastest American with a time of 10 hours and two minutes. In 2013, Michelle became the second woman to complete the Ocean 7 Challenge. We had a very real conversation about being your authentic self, not finishing what you set out to do, losing the joy, and so much more. Please enjoy this episode. to Michelle. So we always open up, even though people have amazing resumes, I like to hear people um, tell us about themselves for, from their own perspective. So <laughs> Michelle, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, usually my intro is really short. I do, I usually say I'm a marathon swimmer and people ask what that is. And I say, well, that's like swimming a 10K or longer in open water. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the discussion's usually over, but um, yeah, yeah. I started uh, my first marathon swim was the English Channel in 2007, and then from that point on, I just sort of fell in love with it, which I'm sure is a common theme um, for a lot of us here. And I went on to do the Triple Crown, so the Catalina, and then uh, Manhattan. A uh, little over a year. I finished that in October of 2008, and then um, I've completed the Ocean Seven. Um, yeah, just continually try to find adventures, uh, swimming adventures that I can either tag along with people, which um, quite a few people on this call have done that too, where they tell me that they're doing something. Um, fun and I just tag along um, or talk my way into it and uh, just met tons of people. So that's kind of, I mean, I started swimming if you really want like the whole background. I <laughs> forever. So I've been competitive swimming since I was nine. Yeah, it's interesting to me to kind of peruse that um kind of that like were you a lifelong swimmer or, or are you not because we you know we get we get all flavors in marathon swimming and I think it's oh, important yeah, for to, sure. to know that to people to know that you don't necessarily have to you know have been a lifelong swimmer so that's I guess one of my goals with um, marathon swim stories is to help people understand that you know marathon swimmers could come from anywhere there are a lot of us that are lifelong swimmers myself included but yeah. uh, but anyway I just I like to like to discuss that a little bit but um tell us about um when did, when, how did you start getting into marathon swimming? What was it like the prompt for that? So I was in the breakout room. I was talking about how I had moved to Portland, Oregon. Um, and I'm a Minnesota girl by nature. And I didn't really know anyone here and figured I needed to find my tribe. So I started swimming again because um, I had taken a break. And then I was... You know, when you're in a new job, they make you take all these training courses um, about how to be a successful employee and all this stuff. And I was in a class said, focus achieving your highest priority. And one of the questions was, if you had all the time in the world, what would you do? And I sort of think that they were hoping us to talk about like work-related 
Um, but I, and we had to write it down on a post-it and, um, I was turning, I must have been turning 30 that year or the next year. And I just, I wrote down that I was an English channel. So 16 months later, um, I went and did that. <laughs> I guess that's how I got into it really. And I was swimming two days a week for like 45 minutes each session. So I, w I wasn't doing anything earth shattering. I was maybe getting three miles a week at the time I signed up for the English Channel. Wow. Why do you continue to swim marathons? Um, I think there's something about being in the water and doing stuff like that that just kind of releases you to be your complete authentic self. There's nothing about having to put on a facade. You're literally stripped naked and you've got to figure out what's important to you and you have a lot of time to do that. Um, and for me, just being in the water just kind of re-centers myself. And I guess it, it apparently takes 14 hours for me to do that. You know, a cool session just doesn't do it, so. Yeah, oh, that's great. Um, how do you describe the feeling of completing an marathon swim? I don't know how to describe the feeling of it. So, I mean, I think it's different with every swim. Sometimes it's just, you're super happy that um, you completed it. Other times you're really just overwhelmed and can't believe it's happened. Um, sometimes I don't even take the pause to recognize that I've done and I'm back to work the next day, uh, which I think a lot of us probably are, you know, getting you know, like, oh, now I have to go check my email and I have to go respond to work or I have to get on this meeting. Um, so real life sort of invades sometimes on that. But I think it goes every which way. You know, I've been sad at finishing marathon swims. Um, you cry, you laugh, you're sort of a whole jumble of stuff. Yeah. I don't know how to describe it. I mean, I think it's, I think it's true for any like goal that you set yourself that you end up, you work hard for and you either fail at it because I failed miserably and probably have the most failures as uh, a lot of marathon swimmers out there, um, as Forrest Nelson will tell you. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, you mentioned failures. I, I guess we had a, also a conversation with Courtney Polk on Tuesday. I'm forgetting the day. She talked about it not being about it not being failures, which was an awesome an awesome way to think about it. But since you brought up and you called it failures, tell us about something that you didn't finish and maybe what you learned from it. Oh God, I've not finished a lot of stuff. Um, Any particular one jump out? I'm actually okay calling them failures because, you know, at the end, I didn't complete the goal that was set out at the beginning, uh, but I did learn a lot through it. So um, let's see, what have I failed? <laughs> let's just go with the Ocean Seven. I failed doing uh, multi-crossings of the English Channel. I failed Molokai. I failed the North Channel twice. I failed... Um, God, I've had to go, oh, I've failed Japan 
Um, yeah, I pretty much failed every one of the Ocean 7 swims before I completed it. What kinds of learnings did you, did you t bring back with you when you went again? Uh, some of them were just dumb, like, you know, rather than trying to push the day, recognize that it's just not the day to swim, whether that's either you're mentally not checked in or the weather's really crappy. Um, when I failed in Japan, it was the day before we had had four earthquakes and the day that we were swimming was the day of the solar eclipse and it was just all bad juju. <laughs> but, you know, I got in the water and went for it anyway and obviously didn't complete it. Um, sometimes I failed because I was overtrained and my body just couldn't handle it. Um, a few times I failed just through mental um, meltdown. So I think every time you learn more. Uh, so in 2012, I really overtrained. That's when I was trying to become the first woman to complete the Ocean Seven, and I was doing, attempting in a marathon swim um, every three weeks. So I went wow. to Japan in May. I went to the North Channel in June. I went to the English Channel in July. I went back to Japan in August, and then. I feel like I went someplace else. And by that time, my body just sort of blew up. Yeah. Wow. Can you tell us I about I don't recommend that unless you <laughs> don't have a job and like a full-time other paying job. If you get paid to do this, good on you and go after it. But trying to do a full-time job, pay the bills and all that and trying to accomplish that was not the smartest thing I've ever done. How has it changed your approach going forward? Uh, well, now I'm not, uh, I don't have quite as big of goals of like trying to be the first for uh, the Ocean Seven. Um, so there's not like this timeline. And additionally, I think there's, uh, there's not the race behind it. So now I'm choosing things to that I hope will bring me joy versus like I'm doing it because I feel some expectation from the outside to do it. Whether it's real or perceived, it's probably more perceived than it is real. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I think it's just, I do one or two maybe a year. And lately over the last five years, I haven't done a whole lot. Mm -hmm. um, I think I'm still sort of recovering from everything before yeah yeah it became like more of a job than joy so now it's just trying to get back to that joy yeah yeah definitely I can imagine it sounds like you put a lot of pressure on yourself and nobody wants to be in that in that position so um any of us are type b people in this room I mean, when you do marathon swimming or anything extreme whether that's learning a language or learning to cook something or learning, you know, even running a 10K, like running a 10K for me would be something extreme. Um, I think you become, you're sort of a type A personality. You set these really high expectations for yourself. You keep driving and you, everything's about that. Um, and sometimes the rest of life, you don't have a lot of balance. Yeah. 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 I can get, it can get 
I can I, I can imagine it could be I'm not sure I'm still trying to figure out if I'm a type A or type B person <laughs> but I think there's things I think I was thinking the other day that like there's this surrender that you have to have in marathon swimming to surrender to your crew and I think that that actually kind of appeals to type A people yeah <clears throat> um can you tell us about your the swim you're the most proud of I think it's the first one I think it's the English channel in 2007 because I that's what started me on this journey that's what started me um, where this this community became my family and that um, I recognized that there was a place that I had sort of felt authentically myself and people accepted that. So it didn't feel like you had to put on airs. Um, I mean, you're rocking up to a beach and all sorts of wobbly bits are all over the place. So it's, um, and you're stripping down and you just connect with people in a different way um, when it's like that. And I think that's unique about swimming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, can you tell us where your favorite place is to swim? Oh, favorite place. I love doing granny swimming anywhere. Where you do you know what I'm talking about? Where you just you may not even put on a swim cap and you put your tie your hair up on the top and you just are like <laughs> heads above the water and you're just I I let my bio preen float me and you're just sort of just experiencing and being in the water and it's not necessarily like you're trying to go anywhere yeah. and you're just watching and letting the water rush over you. So that's pretty much anytime I can do that anywhere. It's pretty amazing. Um, I, well, I've been back to the English Channel three times. So I think that speaks volume. There's definitely some in the Ocean 7 that I probably will never go back to. Um, but I've gone back to quite a few places. I really love swimming up in Alaska. The community up there is really amazing. So I've done the Panic Island Challenge quite a few times. Um, they were probably the, my real first intro into the cold water swimming community and they just opened their arms and brought me in and I knew nothing. I mean, nothing. They were talking about hypothermia and I was like, okay, well, what are the signs of that um, before I got in for the race? So that's always held a special place. Yeah, can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, like how you found out about that and what that was like? Uh, thank God for the internet. Um, but so I started, <laughs> I was Ketchikan, Alaska. They have a swim, in, so it's the southeast um, archipelago that's down there. Um, I had signed up for the English Channel, and I was like, well, I probably should see what it's like swimming in cold water and if I can swim farther than, you know, a mile. And um, through some very early Google searching, I, was, I found the Panic Island Challenge and uh, signed up. Uh, and I went up there, gosh, it was a year before my English Channel swim. And Panic Island's an 8.2 mile round island swim in the Tonkas Narrows. And it can be anywhere the, the temperature is incredibly variable. Um, it just depends on what the currents are doing and what kind of weather they've had. I've been up there and it's been 58 degrees and I've been up there and it's been 54, so. Yeah, 
I've, I've gone back to that time like six or seven times. I can't remember how many times. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that looking at your your swim history, but um, it sounds like it was a really special place. Um, it so. is a really special place. The community just uh, welcomes you in and sort of takes care of you as if you're family. And so you can walk around town and they're like, oh, you're here for the panic and that's so great. And tell me more about yourself. And so it's, um, it's a really great community. Um, uh, how do you adapt to changing conditions? Mm, are we, I mean, any conditions like wind, wave, weather? Uh, you you're, you get to interpret the question however you like. <laughs> sort of, I, I try never to look a gift horse in the mouth. Um, if it's really nice and flat, which a lot of people say, oh, I don't like swimming when it's nice and flat, it's too boring. Um, one, I think they're lying. Uh, <laughs> two, I, when that's when the conditions are like that, I sort of have a rule like, please, for the love of God, nobody say what a beautiful day it is, because then the weather gods or the current gods or the spirits that be will make it challenging. Um, I think you just go with it. Um, I find it if it's going to be hard, I almost prefer it to be hard at the beginning and get easier. <laughs> Because you're, you're like, okay, I'm mentally prepared for this versus having it nice and flat and then having it go choppy on you. But I mean, off swim, you're there for so long that <laughs> you're going to experience it all. I mean, you're going to have a little bit of time where everything feels like it's easy and everything's coming together. And you're going to have times where you're cursing everything that lives and breathes. Um, but the, that's, I think, part of why I love marathon swimming, because it's, it's not consistent. It's not um, a controlled environment. And from one minute to the next, it can be completely different. Now, I mean, when I, oh, I failed San Juan. San Juan de Fuca, I failed. Um, I, there was everything up there. Uh, fog, rain, wind, completely flat calm everything and it was just like let's get on with it i failed because it was so foggy we couldn't see we got within a mile of land and we couldn't see land oh my gosh that's crazy. we could hear the um lighthouse and the foghorn yeah. um and a boat passed within like 200 meters of us and then we didn't see it oh my so gosh at that point the boat crew was like i think we probably should call this for the day <laughs> Oh, gosh. Rightfully so, they should have. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, how do you deal with hard situations? Oh, God. Uh, well, my second English channel, I cried the whole swim. The whole swim. Um, and I think that's when you have to really rely on your crew um, to help you. And to recognize that if your head's not in it, sometimes your body will carry you through mm. um, and trust that that would happen, even though you're mentally just. Uh, the reason I cried the whole swim, my mom had passed away six weeks before I went. So I wow. 
my I had decided to keep um, uh, we had decided it would be a good thing for me to keep going to the English channel. So I trained, 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 didn't think and didn't process anything that was going on, got into the water and all of a sudden it's like, my mom died. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. So, um, but my sister was on the boat. I had some really good friends on the boat and she just said, okay, well then cry it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. So that's what I did for 11 hours. <laughs> wow. That's amazing, Michelle. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think you, there's a lot of things you try to, if your brain's not in it, you try to disassociate and let your body do what you've trained it to do. And then you rely so heavily on your crew at that point, just to keep you on track, yeah. um, which most of the time they do. I mean, they're probably, they're so integral to the success of a swim. Um, and the boat pilot, you just trust that and let your brain do what it's got to do, whether that's crying or cursing or laughing. I mean, I, I have some friends who, they're so fun to watch. They just laugh the whole freaking time. Like every time they come up for a feed, they're laughing, which is amazing. I'm not yeah. like that. I'm, I'm more like in the zone. Well, or not in the <laughs> yeah. zone. Um, can you tell us a favorite memory from one of your swims? Favorite memory? Gosh, you know, I think I've gotten to have a lot of experience and I would imagine quite a few of us in this room have had experiences that nobody else will understand. Um, I swam with a pod of dolphins in the middle of the night in Molokai for 45 minutes and they looked like ghosts because the phosphorescence coming off of them. Oh my gosh. Um, I've swam and seen, I don't know what a pod of rays are called, but swim underneath me from Anacapa. I mean, there's things that, uh, I swam in a freaking solar eclipse. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I didn't succeed, but I swam in a solar eclipse. You did, eclipse you did. Pan. Um, I think some of my favorite memories are like, from the swimming is that where you realize that the world is so much bigger than you and you're getting to participate in such a small micro you know you get to experience just a small gift of that um of that world um but i think outside of swimming i mean just even seeing some of these faces here who are my dearest friends <laughs> who don't live in Portland, Oregon, who will call each other up and be like, is it time for a swimming vacation? Let's go. <laughs> and we hop on planes from various locations and we meet up and we eat a lot and we swim some, usually less than we always plan to. Um, but the people are so incredible. And that for me is, I think one of the biggest gifts that marathon swimming has brought. Yeah, yeah, that's been a pretty strong theme throughout the, throughout these interviews is the community. Just yeah, the community amazing. is amazing. There are, I mean, shoot, Liz Fry. <laughs> I mean, we've been in Patagonia together for crying out loud, and you know, we go to Austin and swim together and. 
you know, you can call pretty much any of these people up and be like, I'm having a bad day. And they'll say, have you gone to the pool or let's go? Why don't we plan to meet up in three weeks in wherever and we'll just get together. And whether we swim or not, um, sometimes not the point. Yeah. There's a lot of grading swimming that happens at that time. <laughs> a lot of procrastinating and chit-chatting and standing in the water. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, uh, what's been the worst part of the pandemic for you? Um, you know, these last five years for me have been a roller coaster, mostly down and up. I think that's partially because I was trying to figure out what my new normal is and what my new life is outside of chasing the Ocean 7 or something like that. Um, so I stopped swimming for a while. I was injured. I was smoking, God forbid. Um, sorry if any of you are smokers. It's a terrible habit. I was smoking for the last five years. Um, so it's just knowing that I was doing a lot of things that weren't healthy for me. And right before the pandemic, I had started to turn the corner of coming out of that. You know, I um, started working out with a trainer, a dry land training. Um, I had started going back to the pool, although I, I mean, anyone has recommendations for competitive or training suits for big ladies, let me know because I have tried everywhere and I don't know if it's because of these Joe, Joe Lynn suits or whatever, but they've all gotten super, super tiny, not <laughs> tiny here. I'm not tiny. I wore black and I'm hunching my shoulder. So I look smaller, but good Lord, they don't get any bigger than a size 40. I'm over a size 40 right now. I'm both. <laughs> so I can't find suits to get like in the pool. And I'm to the point where I'm like, oh, do I just let it all hang out and wear a sports bra and bike shorts and go for it? Um, but I had started getting back in the pool and um, yeah, trying to find, come back to the tribe that I know will help me mm -hmm. um, and probably not judge me for the fact that I'm got lots more wobbly bits than I had five years ago. And they may look at me and be like, good Lord, what did she eat? <laughs> but um, yeah, so I'm trying to, so that was going on before the pandemic hit and the pandemic hit and then the trainer had, you know, we had to close the gyms, the pools closed. I'm not so good about working out by myself. <laughs> Me either. Kind of, you know, once you commit to someone like, oh, I'll see you at 5 a.m., which why is our sport at always at stupid o'clock? <laughs> always at stupid o'clock. But if you tell someone you're going to be there at 5 a.m., you're like, well, I'm not going to, I told Liz I would be there at five. I'm going to be there at five. Um, so I do better with that. So the, the pandemic's been hard. I'm also single. So you don't have a lot of, I mean, there's no real human contact except stuff like this, but it's not, it's connecting, but it's not like, I'm like, I haven't touched a person in like six weeks. And people are like, that sounds so wrong, Michelle. I'm like, but even like shaking hands with somebody or a hug from a friend, you don't realize how much you don't get that. So, yeah, yeah. And I mean, human touching, you know, not bad touching is necessary. I mean, that human connection and like, I used to go get massages just to, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. You can't do that either. Yeah. That sounds so, really hard. 
Yeah, so the pandemic's been hard for me. Yeah. Thankfully, I still, my job allows me to be able to work from home. So I have been blessed to be still employed, um, which I think is, you know, been a huge challenge for a lot of people. Um, and I recognize that I'm blessed to still have my job. And now that it's starting to get spring, it's a little easier to go out and swim. I'm of the mindset of not, uh, not swimming alone. I mean, I will, sw uh, in all fairness, I will swim alone when I know that people are out walking the exact place that I'm swimming. Mm -hmm. um, so I've had to wait for a spring for people to be out because nobody, well, and it's COVID, nobody's out. Yeah. So, and I'm not supposed to ask somebody who's not already exposed to me to be like, hey, come get exposed to me so we can do something. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's an interesting dynamic for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, my heart goes out to you. <laughs> I'm wondering, uh, we're, uh, unfortunately, we're running out of time. I'm wondering yeah. if anyone else on the call has any other questions for Michelle or comforts for Michelle? Give yourself a hug. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing that. I have two dogs. They give me plenty of hugs. Um, <laughs> they're crazy. They keep me busy. But sometimes it's just not the same. It's not the same. It's not the yeah. same as human connection. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, it's not all bad. Oh, Kaka. No. <laughs> Where is Sue? There she is. It's hard. It's MF hard. Um, who's gone there? There's other people here who have done this one. There we go. We've got Jamie's done it. I thought it was really hard. It's cold, but the altitude just sucks everything out of you. Um, I felt like I was like an anaconda or a boa constrictor and you had to unhinge your jaw just to try and get as much air in as possible. But um, I do have to say that Christiane and uh, Julieta, who organized the swim for through Patagonia Swim, they really take good care of you really good care of you. They have you come in early to get acclimated. They have you do some swims in different places to get acclimated. So they're doing everything they can to make sure that you're successful. It is incredibly beautiful. Um, it's very um, rustic. Um, it's a pretty uh, economically depressed area. So it, you get a completely different view of the world mm -hmm. and recognize things, but it's incredible. The people, Again, the people are so kind and giving and everyone text me this, these two things, please, <laughs> on my Facebook page, because I need them badly. Because um, uh, I don't want to lose them off the chat, so I don't know how to get that. I'll, I'll, I need, I'll, I need get, it. I'll get it. Okay. I'll get it to you. <laughs> I need these suits. I need the wobbly bits all in. Um, yeah, Tidikaka is good. I, it, I don't know how I to say to train for it other than because out getting up to 13 whatever thousand feet is a little bit difficult but yeah um yeah so it's I loved it though I think it's worth it the water's incredible um the islands are beautiful the people the indigenous people are beautiful um it's just don't smoke. <laughs> that, 
that didn't help me at all. Um, but uh, yeah, you're just gonna feel like you're always, well, for me, it would feel like I ran two blocks because I'll be puffing and puffing after two blocks, but so. Uh, but I highly recommend it. The uh, Christian and Julieta would take great care of you, but it's an incredibly challenging swim and it's it's short in comparison to other things. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for that insight. I thought about like Titicaca. I, I was there once a long, long time ago and um, didn't know anything about open water swimming way before this current life. But um, anyway, it's uh, the it's water is incredibly blue. It's almost like this sapphire blue, right, wow. Jamie? Um, it's so sunny. Well, it was sunny the day of most of the time that I was there. It's incredibly beautiful. That's awesome. Um, what advice would you give to a aspiring marathon swimmer? Don't. No. <laughs> no. I'm just kidding. Um, definitely rely on the community. They're there to help you, and uh, most there's so many people who have been there, done that, experienced that. So I think it's recognizing that, I mean, and in some ways I'm almost giving this advice to myself right now is like the five years of struggle, I probably could have shortened if I had just reached out to people and recognized that someone there has, someone in this group or in the larger community has probably already gone through it mm -hmm. and could either just sit with me and, occupy space with me, which is sometimes what you need, or um, provide advice when that's needed, because it's not like I don't know what I need to like quit smoking. Um, I think uh, leveraging this community and relying on this community, it is a family and everybody, yes, we compete with each other, and but for the most part, it's friendly. Um, and I'd say most of us aren't assholes. Um, <laughs> I mean, we have our moments. Elaine, we do. You know it's true. You've met more of us than probably, well, for sure me. <laughs> I'm sure you can sit there and be like, yeah, that person's an asshole. But most yeah. of us are really not. Um, <laughs> oh, and save shit tons of money. Ooh, I shouldn't, you're recording this. It's really expensive. It's really expensive. It's so expensive. And the last thing is, like, make sure you have your family on board because you're going to, almost every waking moment that you, you know, you're going to work, you're going to eat, you're going to swim, and you're going to sleep. So a lot of those other relationships are, can suffer unless people are on board. Like, my friends, we would go to dinner at four, you know, at the blue hair time, the 4.30 at night because I needed to eat. But they also knew I went to sleep at, like, eight so that I could get up at four to get to the pool to do a couple of hours before I work. So you do lose some of those friendships um, from people that just don't get it um, or don't understand the kind of lifestyle that you're choosing to leave, live. So I think that's some of the advice. Yeah. But you got all these people, so it's pretty freaking amazing. Our extended family, right? <clears throat> what, um, who should be a future guest on Marathon Swim Stories? I do know Claudia Rose very well, actually. We've swam quite a bit together. 
Um, she and I swam a lot together in our earlier uh, career and spent a lot of time in actually Alaska together because she said the Sitka swim up there. Is it Gia? Ah. Um, so, uh, what was my last question? Oh, I was just asking if oh, there was Darren a future. Miller. So Judy wants to see Darren Miller. <laughs> okay, anybody you can think of. <laughs> um, have you reached out to Patty Bauernfeind? Just mm -mm. tell me that. She's, she's the one who I was talking about laughs the whole swim. Her mm. energy and her vibe and is pretty phenomenal. And she's just, she really provides a great energy when you need it. Um, so she's one I would consider. Um, down in Australia, do you know Barbara Pellick? Mm -mm. So she's, uh, I've done a relay with her. She is the woman who is the queen of the Rottnest Channel. Mm. So okay. more quiet, uh, you don't hear about her as much and she doesn't post a lot on Facebook, but gosh, she's genuine and lovely and I mean, it looks like Judy has everybody who you need to be with. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I've got a long list, but I would like to hear, I, I hear from people. I think there's some them. great people. Um, Maureen McCoy over in Northern Ireland. She's written a book called Wild Swimming Ireland. Um, she's lovely. Uh, and uh, she might not be what a lot of people are like, like a, Jamie Monaghan and Lane, you know, uh, she, but she does, she swims in her own backyard. You know, she's done the English Channel and she's done quite a few relays. Um, so some of these people are like my dearest friends. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your perspective and your honesty and everything. I love yeah, it. Yeah, thanks so much, you guys. It's good to see you all. Yeah. Love you. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. If you'd like to be a guest on Marathon Swim Stories, just email me, shannon at intrepidwater.com. Please stay in touch by joining our email list at intrepidwater.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>